<laughs> Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and we're here today to discuss the first four chapters of Ships of Marior, to show off my hardcover. So uh, we have a group today. We're going to be, we talk, the, we talk four chapters every two weeks, and we're doing the first four this week. Lots of hardcovers out there. So uh, Chibi Pool, will you start us off with the introductions, please? Of course. Um, uh, as always, I'm uh, Chibi Po. I'm a longtime uh, reader of Jenny's you know, works and these books here. I post you know, some reviews here and there and you know, stuff on Twitter, and that's about it. Nice. Uh, my name's Chris Moen. I sometimes make YouTube videos, sometimes appear on Steve's channel talking uh, nonsense as, uh, as far as just kind of put it. Not necessarily about me, but just in general as a theme. <laughs> it's, about, it's about ideas. And sometimes good, sometimes not. But uh, yes, first time reader of uh, this book and the series in general. Nice. Uh, Jared? Uh, my first time reading Chips and Mario 2. I, uh, I'm a weekend warrior for a YouTube uh, channel and um, I'm uh, enjoying this thoroughly. Nice. And Robin? Yeah, hi, Robin. I have a YouTube channel, Book and Biscuits, which I sometimes post to. Um, and I guess a long time reading of Johnny Works because of her other series, but first time reader of this series and this book in particular. I'm enjoying it greatly, so looking forward to the discussions. Nice. And Varsha. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Varsha. I have a tiny YouTube channel called Reading by the Rainy Mountain, on which I also post very occasionally, um, but most recently not a lot. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I have read some other books by Johnny Works, and this is my first time through this series. Nice. So, yeah. So, getting back into the series, the I think the little break we had was was a nice break. But I will say that these first few chapters felt very. I don't. It felt like a change of pace from maybe because the last book ended on such a this intense um, note that these ones felt almost like you could relax a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and I found myself liking darker a lot more in this one it was a lot more fun it was mostly i didn't like him very much in the previous book but i do now <laughs> uh well one thing i noticed right off the bat that this book doesn't have a um a prologue like most books do just starts right off the bat with chapter one and uh and we're, we're jumping right in like five years later, I think, from the end of the last book. And so there's a lot of, uh, like, catching up that we have to do. And um, I noticed that, uh, it's you know, like Steve said, it's it's a lot slower pace. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of us getting, uh, getting a sense of where they're at. And there's, like, apparently there's some sort of peace that was brokered, I believe. And held since the that last final battle, and um, yeah, and, and you see Dakar, uh, Dakar, um, oh, up to his old tricks, getting in trouble with drink and the law and stuff like that. Uh, so that was that was amusing, and it was actually fun to read on uh, on that part of it. And um, I I was uh, surprised at how thorough um arathon's disguise was that dakar the dakar wouldn't notice him 
at all. Like, and, um, that was, uh, that was, you know, that ties into whatever magic they're applying there or something like that, you know? Um, and so that was, uh, that was interesting to see right off the bat. It's, it's interesting how sort of whimsical the first chapter is in some ways as they kind of go along. You think back to the previous book, so much heavy world building, you know, lots of names, all that kind of stuff in here. It's just kind of following the car around at the start as he's kind of fallen from bar to bar, kind of still being a bit <laughs> of an oaf, still being a bit of a fool. Uh, <laughs> and even by the end when he gets himself into trouble, it's still in this kind of dumb <laughs> kind of way. It kind of falls yes. into trouble. And you're kind of like, oh, dear. And uh, there was that lovely moment, as you said, Jared, where it's like, will he or will he not recognize Arthur? You know, and you're, we're left there in Tenderhooks as a thing. And then the line is something like, it was not anybody he recognized. And you're like, oh, right, okay. Mm -hmm. Because you're thinking this is such coincidence that they've come together at this stage, especially for the most haunted man in the galaxy, <laughs> so to speak. You know, that, right. that, that he, he travels on his party and he's like, I don't know who he is. I just know the <laughs> other guy. He's famous. He's Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to always have an image of Justin Bieber reading about him now. No. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Can, I'm sorry. We can strike that from the record. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. I don't know. I don't know. We've got to go for somebody else. <laughs> I would actually, you know, you might have missed it, but I'd actually say the car does realize it. Just only when he's completely smashed drunk mm. like uh, subconsciously in his nightmares and whatnot you, you see little bits there where you know he's he's played by them so he, he he knows on some level but he's kind of willfully denying that fact because he mm. doesn't want to um yeah he's just like whatever you know you know it's like he can't possibly be that him you know this this dude is you know Obliging and nice, and you know, Arathon is an evil little bastard. It's interesting. I wondered how much of that was the magic play, maybe shadow magic, because he did seem to be figuring it out nearly step by step. You know that it, that who is this guy, and you know he pulls back the hood and all the rest of it, and then almost it's like a veneer comes across him to say, "Oh, I don't know, it could be anybody." Maybe uh, I thought it was. Oh, okay. I was to say, there's, there's. Um... Uh, there's one important fact that you know we know from the end of curse that Dakar doesn't know and so that's also misleading him because he doesn't know that fact you know um so you know when he when he triggers his mage sight and whatnot expecting you know a reaction out of earth and um he's not going to get one and so he's like okay this can't be earth but he doesn't know why he's not getting one that's interesting. So was could did he not get a reaction out of Arathon because Arathon has lost his own mage sight, or was it because he was just um, schooling himself to not react? No, it was it was the mage sight. Yeah, he 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 doesn't have that. So you know, as far as Medlier could tell, um, you know, Dakar was just waving his fingers in his face. <laughs> I mean, Arathon probably knew what he was doing. But just from you know reasoning it out but mm. yeah because i was gonna say that was one of the things that um 
I was thinking about how he was keeping up his disguise and I guess it must be from the other um, mages because he yeah obviously it put in there quite a lot that it he, he didn't have his power anymore or that he occasionally felt it when he was playing but apart from that it wasn't it wasn't around or hadn't come back yet so it was interesting to see how that was being um, applied to him if it wasn't directly from him. So did Arathon lose his ability to weave shadow as well at the end of the last book or just lose mate sight? Just mate sight. His, his access to um, anything he can do with shadow still remains. He can't amplify it with magic, but hmm. he could like, you know, uh, I think he can affect color spectrum too. So hmm. he could absolutely oh, I see. himself. Oh, I missed that. I missed I miss, I miss that completely. I thought he'd lost yeah. like all of his abilities as part of the um, the thing, not just uh, part of it. But I obviously misread that. I think at the end of the last book, he was still weaving shadow, but after he had lost his mate sight, if I remember correctly, he was doing some mm. magic, um, but he couldn't see um, the world at the level that mages could, I think. Okay. Well, that's good. Let's clarify, because that could get very confusing for me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, was it was it explained how um how exactly he lost the mage site was it by choice or was it um something that happened to him i, I kind of missed that um at the end of uh, during the um uh the fight um at the end of curse mm -hmm. there's a point where they get cornered by some uh headhunters and he uses uh his mage gifts to you know um unmake as he puts it you know oh. uh, a thing which is an abuse of the talent and it like feedback and shock you know does damage to the pathways that you know he channels the magic through so apparently they'll heal but there may be something else you know that's you know um preventing him from you know uh using his power so Oh, okay, and it's and so it's been five years, and he's still in that state. Correct. Uh, that's pretty significant. Yeah. yeah. And Layla's listening in. Spoilers are okay. I'm on page fifty, and we'll catch up this week. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I noticed, like the rest of the first chapter, kind of serves to catch us up what they've been up to for the past five years through the, uh, you know, this section called petition, which is kind of more about focused on Arathon and then there's a section called Grant that's kind of more focused on Lysair and um, it was kind of good to get that background uh, you know of, of where they all are and like what, what's been going on the past five years so I thought that was uh, well done <laughs> Yeah, I, th I thought it was interesting because Arathon, it's the contrast of two characters isn't it? Arathon's almost like living his best life you know, he's as affected yeah. by, the, by, by the curse as anybody else, you know, yeah. so far as, but he's just living his dream. And I suppose Lysir is as well, but in a much more, you know, dark and foreboding way than, than Arathon. He's very prominent and kind of needs to get his face out there, whereas obviously, you know, Arathon's hiding for, for a lot, from a lot of scrying eyes. It, it was quite interesting how you had that you had like this whole entire kingdom like he's the worst thing in the world and he's doing and you've got to we've got to smash him we've got to kill him and Arathon's just there like no 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 living my dreams don't even care about them <laughs> so yeah it's a, it's a big difference 
<laughs> yeah. I, I admit when I when I first you know while I was familiar with her stuff when I first picked the series up, um, this was actually my first book in the series, hmm. so I had not read Curse at all when I read this one. Oh wow! Um, I just found it in a bookstore or, or somewhere, um, and I was like, oh, I know this artist and this author because um, I read other stuff by her. So I was like, okay, I gotta get this. So I got it and I read it. And I read that copy until the cover was falling off. Um, <laughs> so it was a very, that's awesome. <laughs> very well-loved copy. Um, but it, um, you know, it was like, I don't know who any of these people are or what's going on, except, you know, this dude's and, you know, um, being hunted down by these people for some reason. And um, I don't know. I was kind of like, I don't really like this blonde haired guy. I think he's a twit. <laughs> it's kind of my first impression of him. I'm like, okay, so he's, he's, you know, sitting around in this town comfortable and all and sending people out to try to hunt down a dude who's just running around as a, you know, minstrel's apprentice. Right. But did you have, did you come back on that opinion a little bit when you got to the first book after that? Uh, I did come back a little bit, you know, yeah. um, but uh, for for a while, um, reading the series, I was, and I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a fan of him now, but I was not much of a fan of Lysayer at all. Um, I could kind of come around to, to where I really feel bad for him at this point. Um, yeah. It comes to one of the main talking points I have of these first four chapters. Uh, and Lysir, and this could just be me, I read him as a dictator here at the start, as somebody that's very hell-bent on ethnic plans, and it's not just Arathon that he's looking to wipe out. Anybody that follows him, uh, and it, it, he's used very much as the stick when he's trying to win support to say, you know, all the ills that you have within your life are because of these people. You know, it's very much like sort of Nazi Germany or something, uh, where they were saying, actually, you, these are bad times that everybody's having, but it's because of these people. And if we can just root them out and side with me, then we do it. And you can see Lysir manipulates each different group that he goes to with a different version of his truth. And I thought that was really interesting how, how that was portrayed, because he's still sort of one of the main protagonists of the book that you're supposed to sort of root for. And you don't <laughs> totally hate them. You know, it, it, it still falls into that realm of, Oh, we prefer Arthur, but he's still somebody we're hoping comes good at the end and has a redemption arc and all of those things. So, well, that that is a huge gambit he plays, uh, basically going broke so he can try to manipulate um, the uh, manipulate somebody into raising an army for him. You know, yeah, that, that's so kind of a that's that's a big play. <laughs> yeah that and it's like okay yeah i guess it's a big play as well because he doesn't necessarily know that they're not going to kill him i know he assumes that they're not going to kill him but um really just to rely on the fact that they still think of him as their king in the future yeah it was quite a big gamble for that as well not just the fact that the town would would give him an army but the fact he would even survive the running in the past anyway so yeah Mm. big ask (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i wonder if he had guest honor right so maybe he sort of knew that they wouldn't kill him but that's not true for the rest of his army they could have they had them completely trapped so they could have killed every single one 
they just stole from them like or took their stuff from them instead yeah i also yeah yeah huge huge um i also i don't know um i can't remember her name but his the person who's like running the place in his stead currently i like the way through the books there's a real importance or um, thought process on what she wears when she meets certain people. So like she wore that black one when it was, she was meeting someone else. On this one, he was like, he picked out that she'd worn the significant, um, that she was trying to give something away, but what she was wearing to him at that point as well. And I thought that was really interesting how she's kind of um, setting her presence by actually what she's wearing when she meets them. Mm. I thought it was an interesting detail, I really liked. Yeah. And, and to add to, that, like it was also interesting that she wore the same thing i think both when she met arathon's representatives and um her own king as well um possible king um yeah yeah but there I, was, I, sorry, go ahead. Well, sorry go ahead i was going to start a new topic so maybe go ahead well uh, what i was going to say about but talith was i think it's interesting while he's sort of set up as the dictator he uses her and she's very much a willing member in his in his plan you know, and what he's going to do. He's very much, and not using her in a, in a way that he's controlling her. He, he's using her for what he sees as the right moment to use her and mm. has a very prominent role to play in the in the, in the kingdom and, and in the setting up of his, his kingdom. Yeah, yeah. I think I have a feeling uh, we haven't seen a lot of talent yet other than to be told that she's very beautiful. Um, so I... I, I will talk about it later, but there was a point in this book when I decided I like Ilera. Like, there are some characters for whom I can pinpoint the specific location where I'm like, here's where I like this person. And I think I, I did that for Ilera this time, and I have a feeling I like Tanit later on. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll start a somewhat connected but newish topic. I think in the last book, there was some... Um, points where it felt like Lysers, sure he's being cursed by the mistrate and he's being used sort of to um, hurt Arathon but you know there were some statements in there like you know he the, mis the mistrate wouldn't have found room where there was none to manipulate Lyser this way uh, but I think there was something that the fellowship discovered this time that feels like maybe it's a lot deeper than that, that maybe Lysa really is very helpless in how the mistrate is controlling his mind or whatever, uh, influencing how he behaves. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. So we got one perspective then, and then now it feels like a little bit of a, not necessarily pivot, but a different opinion into that. Um, a little bit. Um it's more um that as long as it the you know further away you you, you put things from involving Arathon, the more um of its own self-awareness and you know the real person will shine through but if it you know comes up to the topic of Arathon or you know anything that he feels you know that lysaire feels is you know, unjust, then that's where it's been uh, completely twisted around. Um, mm. So it's like you got to got to separate it away from that, and he he gets to be more of who he's supposed to be. <clears throat> um, 
but now he's surrounded himself with an agenda that basically occupies his mind fully with Arthan, right? So, yeah. Pretty much everything is a, is, is, is a piece to, you know, mm -hmm. on the board to, for the goal of making Arthan dead. Yeah. So here's another question in that regard. Arthan knew that he was about to be cursed, um, so he knew to protect himself and knows not to react to, or knows to prevent himself from reacting whenever uh, whenever he has the urge to killing uh, urge to kill Lyser. But um, Lyser does not have that awareness. Do you, do we think that? Lyser would behave differently if he did know that you know this is a result of the curse and not his own sense of justice that's leading him in this direction. I think for me that's all part of Lyser's lack of training, isn't it? You know the fact that you know he was not attuned. He he was almost like a helpless victim here, which I think is where you know the the idea that we feel sorry for, for Lyser comes from is because it's not totally his fault he just hadn't never been prepared for what actually happened to him uh, whereas uh, i actually love that scene within the fourth chapter of the book where they took apart and went back into the scran of it and they nearly hit the, hit the pause button on the dvd and said actually pause it here and zoom into this bit and actually what do you see i thought that was so cleverly done uh, yeah. they actually show the moment of it happening as they try and take apart and dissect actually what they could see from 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 a moment to moment yeah i like the uh, sorcerers, you get a look at what the sorcerers can do in that chapter and like what they're partially capable of. That was pretty cool. And we got to remember also that Lesse is also very young still, even though it's five years later. He's still a young, young man. And it's, you know, um, as, as I know, young men are prone to mistakes. <laughs> He'd be 31 or 32 at this point, right around there. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because he was in the you know, upper, upwards of 25. Yeah. Uh, when the story started, so yeah, was it Arathon that was like twenty-four? Is it uh, younger? Arathon was about three years. Yeah. yeah, I remember Janie saying somebody was twenty-four or something like that. I forget yeah. who it was, but <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as uh, uh, Varsha's question, um, I'm just gonna say spoilers. Okay. <laughs> that, okay. That will. It'll be something that comes up. Um, that's and, interesting. Yeah. So that's that's really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm pleased about that because at the moment, it would be nice to see some conflict in him. Because at the moment, he's just down that alleyway. He's yeah. running full tilt ahead. It would be it would be nice to have a little conflict in him. I think to bring it back to like, oh God, what have I done? Sort of thing. I think I would enjoy that. <laughs> so it'd be good if we see that in the future. Um. Well, if you consider them one book, then you know if you're or you're looking at hardcover, you'll see some of that within this volume. Um, if you're looking at the hardcover, if you're not looking at the hardcover, then you'll see it in you know, a little bit of it in Warhost. Oh yeah, because they're split, aren't they? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Paperback, but and then. Um, yeah, I, I I do like how we go to revisit scenes and it not feel like the wool was pulled over her eyes the first time, you know, cause it'd be very easy to kind of say, Oh yeah, you do miss this or, or like revisionist history, you know, of going back and revisiting it. No, we only had one angle of looking at it and then 
come to revisit things that happened uh can feel fresh then and not and just feel like oh this is just new information this isn't this gives me in insight into either thought processes or what people could do or who was controlling the situation well yeah. chapter two gave us a very good contrast um because we see what Lysay is up to as far as chasing down this evil's shadow sorcerer that he proclaims but then we see um halloran sing this song that's a complete opposite story of of what Lysay is uh um pushing you know and i, I love how that was done with uh when he's when he we had, we had that song in there that's sung to this 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 bar that's not that doesn't seem very receptive to what he's saying they just like the song but he's saying pretty much the opposite he's he's praising arathon and not lessayer whereas the uh you know the uh the normal uh news being put out by lessayer is that arathon needs yeah. to be taken down so it was that was very cool i thought especially since you know then that guy goes and gets them all in trouble as well but after that but <laughs> going back to the DACA conversation earlier I think it's in general I think it's super awesome where I think you, Steve you were saying we're getting it, it feels like a different pace because I feel like because we know the characters we're now just getting a little bit of backfill about mm. them and like it was so interesting learning a little bit more about Dako and his powers and how old he was as well. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. I was like, oh, oh, okay, <laughs> he's very old. And then the fact that he can do longevity and and so on and so forth, like you got much more of an understanding of 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 him a little bit. I think I'm really hoping you get more, but you get that with all the characters, and I really really enjoyed that. I was like, oh, finally, we get a little bit more personality and understanding of where they've come from and, and where they do things. I thought it was um, very well done because you had a little bit more time. Yeah. yeah, and we also see how how old Halloran's getting too. Uh, he it's mentioned in there that he's not going to be around for much longer. I think you know that's he's just a sense I got. <laughs> did, did anyone worry? Because I was like, well, if Arathon has to go be a king, who's going to be who's going to be the master? It's going to be Justin Bieber. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this is such a waste. <laughs> yeah, but did get some insight into why Dakar drinks, you know, and why he kind of <laughs> he, he kind of has fallen into this way of trying to dull the nerves or just kind of get away from it. But isn't it so interesting that he couldn't recognize um Arathon, but actually within the seven they know exactly who Arathon is. Like yeah. I thought that was a really nice reveal coming out to say actually that oh I wonder how long till everybody finds out kind of thing. And they're doing everything to distract from looking over there by setting things up over here and and all that kind of stuff. And I yeah. thought, okay, that's a really nice reveal. We got a couple of those, especially in that chapter, where we get, oh, I didn't know that they were aware of that or that they didn't know that, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was also interesting that Arathon sort of trusts the Seven with information about his whereabouts. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I guess he didn't really have a choice because that we would have found out probably. But also it's interesting that his disguise what is it about his disguise that prevents the enchantresses from figuring out where he is right is it just that he's moving about so much plus his disguise that uh they can't find him uh, are they looking essentially for his physical characteristics or are they looking for something else that yeah but it can't, other, yeah yeah 
I, or yeah, other sorcerers, like, like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 go, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys. <laughs> yeah, other sorcerers, the ones putting the wool over their eyes. That's what I, yeah, I was wondering mm. about. Combination. Yeah, is that okay? <laughs> like, mentioned, uh, like, in curse that, you know, like the, the, uh, the casting of the curse and how it affected both Lyazar and Aerith and changed their, um, uh, spiritual pattern, whatever term you want to use for it, um, and affected that. So, you know, the Koryani are looking for one thing, mm -hmm. but usually looking in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. um, plus, you know, the seven throwing up, you know, uh, it's like, oh, well, you know, we're doing this over here, but it has nothing to do with you, but it's going to screw up your thing. And they're like, you know, and She's like, oh, there was, you know, inadvertent interference from them. I'm like, wow, you, you have no idea. They wrecked your thing on purpose. Right. <laughs> and there's also not the big uh, outpourings of power that they're probably looking for for Marathon. You know, somebody who's as powerful as he is. They mentioned about Dakar's even manipulation of the the bugs, whatever way you want, you want to talk about it, how that, that could have drawn attention. Uh, they kind yeah. of float that idea in there, and if, if he's literally only very sparingly playing the guitar, or not playing the guitar, or the, the ramp as it is, then you know there's none of that to be found. He's just a mm. dude. <laughs> just a dude. Just a dude. <laughs> Has Elena seen Alton play? Because I can't remember if that was in the scry in the thing that uh, they did at the end of the book uh, when the enchantresses found out information about Alphon, did they also know that he was a good musician? Uh, hmm. Not I that I recall. Not, I don't know that they would care, actually. Well, um, I guess I was thinking about it from the point of view of like Finding. looking for someone who <laughs> plays like what Chris mentioned. Yeah. But yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Although I think it's uh, Laura kind of says she knows who he is at his heart. You know, uh, she can sense him just from his actions and who he is as a person, and, and try mm -hmm. not to use that. So mm. maybe she does know at some level. Yeah. Just jumping right in with just wild guesses about what's going to happen with everything. Wild, inappropriate guesses that aren't going to come true. Does anyone think that she's going to end up the the what's it called it? Yeah. Oh, the the matron, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or I, that's going to be a route to go down because it's it's, <laughs> it's just it's leaning like because the other lady's just so horrible and, and they're getting a little bond on and I'm like, yeah. is this is this well, going to happen? At the uh, yeah. end of chapter four, there we get a peek at, mm. at the magic that grants longevity. That's what that's right. That's what they're that's starting what? to perform for her, and so that you know kind of gives us an idea that that might be the future but yeah whether or not that's going to happen you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's probably going to like it's probably leading you that way and then it'll be like actually no and i'm like oh. <laughs> it, it, it could end up as a bit of conflict within the coriani though when she does pass on that there is a split with half the people think and half the other people think and you end up i have to say that whole part actually a lot of this setup reminds me so much of will of time it is it is so on the nose. The curse is the male taint. They're hunting for the for the the bad guy. The, you know the red Aja mm -hmm. are hunting for the for for one body, etc. There's so much that's very reminiscent. Except 
rather than institutions doing it, it's individuals doing it. And there's not much more character work here, and they're doing it through the manipulation of character and the manipulation of people, rather than necessarily oh, that's this whole body that are, that are doing this, or this whole council that's doing this, or this whole board that's yeah. doing it. So, well, these are our favorite fantasy tropes. They are, and, yeah, and and uh, and you know, of course, Janie's doing it awesome job of uh yeah. making them really really good for us <laughs> yeah. but it's uh, that's what's gonna say like it's it's the same kind of trope but it feels different do you know yeah. what i mean it, it's almost hidden in plain yeah. sight and i think partly because we're kind of going into this quite deeply <laughs> it feels like every we, we think we're gonna have to talk about this in a couple of chapters time what do i see what do i think it makes it forces you to kind of evaluate it uh, more than you probably would if you were reading from cover to cover Uh, speaking of the end of, you mentioned the end of chapter four, the end of chapter one, just feel like we're being set up for heartbreak, aren't we? With, um, I forget her name, uh, Teleth and, uh, Lysir. the last, uh, the last paragraph, uh, exalted and imprisoned by shameless happiness, Lady Teleth blinked back rising tears, uh, what was Avenor to become if we built uh, but a broader base of support for wider campaigns and more armies, she understood with a rage that drove her to hate them to hate them more fiercely. Lacey would never have peace, nor would he ever fully become hers until the day the Master of Shadow was found and run down to finally safely put to death. So yeah, like, I would say she's doomed. Yeah, it's, like, oh. it's not heartbreak if you don't like them, though. If you don't yeah. like the couple, it's not heartbreak. It's true. Uh, right? more, there's, more, there's, more, there's more couples we don't like that, you know, other, other, other series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think that romance is, is not going to end well. But, um, but I, I'm like, well, she probably serves it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> She made a choices. <laughs> <laughs> she wore the black dress, right? She wore, she wore, you know, she knew. Yeah. I cannot say anything. Oh, geez, yeah. Of course not. <laughs> I'm not well, saying anything. I'm not, I'm not confirming. I'm not denying. If I, if I say anything, I will say of the characters we've seen so far, um, the three that I think get a lot of important focus across uh, mm -hmm. ships and warhost, if you're reading them that way, um, are Elera, um, Talith, and Dakar. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have you know we, we have the others, of course, Arathan and you know Lysayer and you know others, but um, there's a lot of interesting developments across you know. Uh, the entirety of you know arc two for those three. Mm. Good. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought over the course of these hundred and sixty odd pages in the paperback, we spent very little time with Lyser and Arathon, like mm -hmm. just hanging out with them. It was mostly all the other characters. I thought that was interesting. It, um, and also welcome because they're the people that we've seen least in the first book. You know, we've seen a lot of yeah. Lysera and Arathon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Yeah. And one I one thing I like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. You go. And so one thing that I do like is when you do see Lysera and Arathon, a lot of it, you're you're not in their head. You're seeing them through the lens of somebody else. Mm. Um, That's right. true. It's especially prominent here, and it's really really interesting. Um, I mean, there are moments you'll get into their head, you know, 
for sure. But you just the the takers are like, oh yeah, no, or we're you know we're seeing Arathon through Dakar's you know point of view, which is you know understandably you know biased and you know so forth and you know or Lysaer through Talith's you know eyes mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah, and I really like the way she 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 does that. Yeah, she doesn't box us in with point of view. She gives us a story that, that she needs to give us. I, I notice that. Um, I notice a trend nowadays to have these strict point of view chapters and stuff like that. But um, yeah. uh, but she really gives us everything we need as far as to bring that story forth. I like the style. <laughs> yeah. Uh, On that, a, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go, go ahead. Go ahead Varsha. No. I was going to say, on that subject, uh, in the scene where uh, they cast strands again, last time we saw it through Dakar's point of view, and this time through Varain. That's his name, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, we see it through the point of view of someone far less powerful than one of the Fellowship sorcerers. So we get only the information that A, they think is important, and mm-hmm. B, um, is probably vastly incomplete because I think there's a thing at the end of the previous book when um, Trade tells Elera that she's significant to Arathon's uh, well-being or whatever, but we don't see any of that when they cast the strands from Dakar's point of view, right? So I think I thought that was interesting because we get a lot of information, but it's still pretty incomplete maybe we'll find out more from both the castings later on uh, yeah yeah it's a good point yep. and, and it's also revealed how they know some of these things you know when they do this prediction in the future we see that it's through the scrying they can kind of they can kind of just take the herbs and kind of do that and and see some point in the future mm. and then say actually well we see you there at this stage or or that you are holding him or something you know that would give it give it away and it, it does kind of mean a bit like jared said that every time we get a new point of view or another way to look at it it can very skillfully just be given to us as just another layer another bit mm. of the story or another bit of the motivation without it feeling like okay. a cheat mm. i really really adored the um part where we've got them all coming together where they go visit um the v guy i can't remember his name Brian. Yeah, with the cats. <laughs> I loved, I loved that whole the whole way that scene was done, down yeah. to like the food, down to having the tea ready, their interactions, the discussions they were having. I just, I thought that was so like cozy and and awesome, and it gave again loads of information that they told you how crazy dangerous the scrying is, which I think was alluded to previously, but then they highlight it by saying that the um, ethereal. Again, I'm terrible with names, but he died. That's how he lost his corporeal form. Like, that's how he, yeah, yeah where? Because that's how he became the incorporeal. Incorporeal mm-hmm. can't say that word either. Doing really well, um, and that's that's how he lost it. Which I think I didn't realize because if you think um, Arathorn just scries randomly in the forest before yeah. the fight, and how much of a risk was he taking? Like he could have died during that scrying, and it just wouldn't have lasted how it did so i thought there was there's all these things she just drops in and you're just like oh my god <laughs> and then i just I, that's yeah but i like the cats and the wizards because i thought that was just the way they did that whole scene was just brilliant the, 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 how they bounced off of each other and the discussions i just that was probably my favorite part yeah really good you know it's like yeah these guys are colleagues who've 
you know, known each other for a very, very long time. Yeah. But it's something I thought of is, you know, a lot of people like, you know, when they ask about, you know, the magic and everything and, you know, how it just sort of slides under the radar that, you know, how immensely powerful these guys are. And I thought about it um, and I realized that it's because it's to them when you look at it for like the seven and everything, it, it, it's not an impressive, you know, crazy, you know, you know, from their point of view, nothing, it's nothing out of the ordinary. It's oh, just right. stuff they can mm-hmm. do. So they don't, you know, you know, what, what would seem absolutely terrifying to, you know, someone who can't do that to them. It's like, yeah, well, you know, I don't know this is, this is Tuesday. <laughs> you know, I kind of feel it's like, I mean, not just to say they take it lightly, but it's, it's a thing that they're used to. Yeah. So they don't, they don't think of it in the same terms. But, but they prepare accordingly. Like it is a dangerous thing, but they, they, are prepared they are worried for each other they know that it could go wrong but actually within safe hands and nowhere to push they they, they, they are comfortable within it <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that's that's another thing that seeing the casting at least from dakar and um Varane's point of view gives us is the sense of how powerful uh the magic is that they're doing at that moment and also um yeah, the risks that they are taking also, I suppose. Um, yeah. It was also a good contrast between Varane and Dakar and how they approached the scrying because Dakar was oh. kind of just all over the place. And you can see mm. you know, someone who takes their training a little more seriously is a lot more grounded. Mm. And was it like losing, going off on random tangents and needing someone to, you know, put a hand on his shoulder and, you know, hey, focus. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the most interesting things about that whole chapter four is that the language is no less complex than it is in any other chapter. And I think it spoke to actually how comfortable you're getting with the style of writing, the use of language, exactly how easy that the whole chapter was to read. But then what was quite an intricate kind of scene that, you know, there was a lot of, you know, projection, there was a lot of things happening in the present. It could have and should have probably been very easy to get lost between what was happening in the vision, what was happening between the characters and what was happening in the present. And, and it just didn't feel like that. I think I felt probably more comfortable than any other part of the book actually reading, reading that section. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that was one of my favorite chapters so far, because we got to see the fellowship uh, in a lot closer detail yeah. and I guess the camaraderie between them as well. Yeah. And a lot of information that we got about the world, like the fact that uh, what you mentioned earlier, Robin, that Akarman didn't voluntarily become incorporeal. I thought that was a decision you could take. Maybe it is, but um, but yeah, that that's and I guess it seems to be a form that they don't necessarily want to be in. Yeah. Even though it apparently gives them advantages. <laughs> like they can go out into the stars. <laughs> I, agree, I, I fully agree because they just they last last book it was very much like he is just like that. And it felt like he it definitely felt like they some of them are just chosen to be that like or they were so powerful mm-hmm. that they could be that. But yeah, to know that it had been almost an accident was kind of like, mm-hmm. oof, okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the well, fact we, that they worried about trait 
also uh, whether or not. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say we were speculating at the end of Christmas Mysteries whether it meant when they were incorporeal they were actually dead. It was like the next stage of their, their evolution, whereas now it feels like a fluid state. You know that they could, mm-hmm. depending on their mission or what they need to do, they can kind of be in one or other. Mm. Mm, yeah, yeah. At least if they still have their bodies, but yes, it indeed. Seems like you can lose it. <laughs> mm. So what about the sorcerer that went out of trying to figure out? So it seems like the worlds are elemental, right? Like they are, they have specific forms of worlds. Like there's a water world and there's an ice world and a desert. I don't remember what else Luhane was looking at, but yeah, I, I, I'd love to find out more about what Luhane is up to. That was really interesting that, yeah. <laughs> I also had a question, and this is me not being able to do maths and things, but how many of them are there currently? Is it five? Uh, and then four. there's one, four, and then there's one That's missing three. one, yeah. and then there's the one traitor one who's been put to wherever. So that's one missing? Uh, there's there's um, one missing. Uh, Davian, who's the betrayer, who's yeah. aware. Um, Salatus is the missing one. And then Karadmon is off uh, doing his thing, and they haven't heard from him in a little while. Mm-hmm. He's, he's off for trying to find the per... Uh, the province? The people. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, he's tracking... Um, Caradmon's trying to find. Um, oh yes, the, the oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. That was it. That was oh it. yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. So two people are kind of off on missions. One's a traitor, and the rest of them are okay. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had a question about um, Ar- Arathon seemed to send a uh, magical message to the sorcerers at the end of chapter three. There, um, yeah. did he get? A response. I don't. I couldn't remember if uh, he um, got a response to that. He hasn't received the response yet, Sethvir. Um, before he heads off to uh, Marthal, Marthalane. Yeah. Uh, is you know starts writing things down. Right. Okay. And you know, um, and gives, if I remember correctly, gives um, uh, Sandir some stuff. Uh, to deliver to Arathon. Okay, and then uh, in the uh, in the fourth chapter in the disclosure sections, it mentions something about um, tapping a power lane as as a means of passage. So that was a, another form of like powerful magic that we kind of got introduced to that I was wasn't quite aware of before, and uh, I thought that was very interesting. I think we did meet that in the last yeah. book. When, we? They, when they went from after they dealt with the snakes, they used that same lane to go to Rathain, I guess the first place where Arathon gets his made sight about the Paravians. So Asanda used that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first time to Althane and then again okay. after the snakes. Althane, um, yeah. they, they drug... Um, uh, Lysair, you know, um, and knocked him out. Uh, or Arith, you know, him and Arith and, um mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That makes sense. Now. But I think, like a lot of the book, the, the, these kind of ideas will, every time they get used, we'll understand a bit more about them. You know, yeah, that's yeah. the way I always feel about yeah. them. Yeah. 
And there's yeah. so much information in, in packed in these things. Yeah. It's easy to miss this stuff sometimes. <laughs> we we did get to see it in a lot more detail this in this book though, this than we did last time. But yeah. Yeah, I often feel like with these chats, I should have a, right, I didn't quite understand this. Somebody fill in the blank for me part, you know. Trying to, does the, um, I guess the scrying into the past with the um, Merthyrmine snakes, the hate rates, that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess they similarly, so they did say that they are different than the mistreat, but I didn't fully understand how. I don't know if that was, if I missed that or if it wasn't explained. On which bit, when the, when the, the mistreat was transferred into, or the curse was being enacted at that part, Farsha? Mm-hmm. Uh, the bit that I took from that is that it's hacked the individual labor. They were looking to see whether it would go down through generations if they had children, whether it would, yeah. you know, it was part of the genetic makeup or whether it was, whether they were surprised to find that it was just attached to just to the individual and the sense of person and the sense of self, which I, I think is uh, why they were kind of looking at, you know, they were looking at separation. So if we actually rip this thing out, what will happen Lycia, what will happen Arathon? And the mm-hmm. idea was that they, they will be dead. Now, yeah. in, in my eyes, this may engineering head coming on. Well, mm-hmm. what else can you try there? Well, you've got to bring them close to death and see if the mystery will try and survive. That's where I think that's going. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I, are we doing experiments on them now? <laughs> well, they, they were doing experiments in the little plot with the frogs and all the rest of it. They were busy saying if we inject these people in and we try and separate them, actually what happens, then the, the thing just dies, essentially. But uh, they didn't do any more experiments after that. But I think that's... That's the thing they experiment with next. Bring yeah. it close to death. Does mm. does the, the mystery of taxi being alive want to live and therefore leave? They pulled the wraith out of uh, Lysaer, so no one's possessed at this point. Mm. They've just been cursed in Aerith's case. Yeah. That's the curse, yes, yes, that's, right. that's right. Um, and a big mess with Lysaer, as far as we know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, Lily had a question about um, what is everyone's view of the portrayal of the prophecy in the series so far, reliable or not? <laughs> is this the question of the uh, unreliable narrator or not? <laughs> uh, I, th- I think it comes down to that idea of how they're getting the prophecies. Is it that scrying in the future and seeing one scene and then kind of reverse engineered from that? So in which case, you know, you're seeing a snapshot, but you're not necessarily seeing the events that lead up to it. You know, I think that was kind of, they, they could see possibly the idea that in the future, Arathon and uh, Lysir had got rid of the, the mystery, you know, from, from the land, but actually the fallout of that or, or otherwise. But I think sort of in that, idea everybody's an unreliable narrator then because it's literally perception of 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 a, right. of a snapshot exactly yeah yeah i think a lot of it it oh, i don't know it's how i read it is that they do this like looking forward but then stuff that happens can change that 
So as you said, it's kind of like this is one path where it could go. But if this doesn't happen, then that's not going to happen. So then the prophecy changes to something else. Like the big one, obviously, was the fact that we're going to get rid of the the mistrace. But then the other ones have seemed to be very, very much more um, uh, moment fixed. Like it could happen, but then Arathon goes and does something and that that won't happen sort of thing. So changeable, I think, would be my view on the prophecies. Yeah. They are basically like this is, you know, or or like one case with the mystery, it's like this thing will happen, but we don't know. uh, We don't really know any details as to how or why until, you know, Aerith and Elisaia showed up. And then they were like, oh, so that's it. But then they're like, wow, this is not something we would have done. Uh, Leila yeah. also mentions uh, Descartes and the Fellowship sorcerers take it seriously, but things don't go as planned. Arathon claimed his royal title as prophesized, but now they are dealing with the curse. Right, and that and that royal title is has not hasn't been all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would be curious, um, you know, with as far as Arathon though, um, would you say he's you know um, embraced kingship? Because the specific words were, you know, this will take root on the day that Aerith and Cephalon embraces kingship. And yeah, I, w- I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't say that he's really doing much embracing of kingship in this book. <laughs> no, I'd say he's running away from it, if anything. <laughs> right in top ten hits. <laughs> <laughs> but he seems to come across, and even when, like, because viewing him um, like he's obviously like you said at the beginning, Steve. He's coming across as a much nicer person, more relaxed, more happy. Like, is that just him when he hasn't got any of this responsibility looming over him? Because it seems like since when he was very young, he's had a lot of this. Because he was like one of those like high performers, you know, had a lot of his dad was this, his dad was that, and now he's like just chilling, doing his own thing. Is that just him in his happy bubble? Like, is that him normally? Yeah. I mean, obviously he's not entirely free of, you know, but yeah, that's a good good insight into just him as, you know, if he didn't have any of this, you know, you know weighing down on him. And uh, Layla's wondering if Dakar is a chaos, is a chaos agent or a sage? <laughs> yes. Oh, why not chaos. both? Why not both? Chaos. <laughs> Dakar as a sage. <laughs> uh, well, I know we kind of brought him up, and he, he doesn't appear much in this one, but he was, you know, there uh, briefly in one scene at the first chapter. Um, well, what did everybody think to to see our our, our you know uh, Earl of the North all grown, you know, grown up with Jirit? Oh, yeah, 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 right, yeah. Yeah. That was interesting, yeah. Yeah, and he's also referred to by Minel, is it, uh, as well as as when she's talking to Lysir as well, she talks about Jarrett, and actually, that disappointed me a little bit, because I actually hoped Minel was going to be a, somebody that wasn't involved, but seeing the truth for what it was, you know, Lysir was saying, oh, this this is what's happening, she says, well, actually, I don't see that, but actually, it turns out she is in contact with Arathorn, and with Jarrett, and... (laughs) <laughs> and uh, 
and so she is involved in it, you know, as as an antagonist to Lysir and his his merry band and his army. Yeah, we fell into the um, another example of the. Oh yeah, you know, if you're not with me, then you're, oh yeah, you're just you're just deluded. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to pick a side. Yeah. yeah. If I'm thinking about it, oh, go, go ahead, again. Go ahead. No, go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Jared was the person that like is essentially Arathon did the like brother thing with, right? In the yes. last book, the bonding, yeah. and then in this book, he's the guy that's now leading the group of um people that are getting hunted essentially right. like the fact that he's still doing that and still kind of i guess i know he's being persecuted but he's still doing it and still holds arathon in somewhat a good stead even though he knows he's well not he knows he's not around like he's missing um his viewpoint or how he portrayed his feelings about arathon was kind of like still friendly even though mm. i guess arathon's just dumped this on them and left he still kind of seemed to understand it uh, which i thought was quite interesting yeah, and there wasn't a lot of description of this, but we get the sense that he had some difficult growing up to do, which we would have expected, and uh, based on what happened at the end of the last book. But um, yeah, I love how little room it took to tell us, catch us up to him, tell us he's had a difficult life so far, and show what a strong man he has become or is about to become. So. I really like that scene. Yeah, very well done. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, another question at at the very very end of the uh, chapter four, you had the you know the little uh, news update there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, the last paragraph there. Yeah. They mentioned something about. Um, these armory walls bearing traces of an earth witch's marks of concealment. I uh, had no idea what that was talking about. Does uh, anybody know? That will come up in a chapter or two. Is that something yeah. that's going to come up later? Okay, and then there's also something I mentioned about treatises on black powder. Is that like a foreshadowing of like, like gunpowder uh, or something? Or is that something else? I mean, it's briefly mentioned in the meeting um you know where they talk about elestron and you know somebody messing around with black powder um and that ties into you know that that snippet um, yeah they're talking about it they're kind of like oh he's found the recipe again or something like they've rediscovered it and then they were trying for that not to happen from the sounds of it is kind of what i got from so the wizards are against that, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, he's found it again. And they're like, they have to go and do something about it. Ah, okay. I think was what was just I got of it anyway. Yeah, so that, that seemed just like some seeds planted for future uh, future problems here. So <laughs> There is some good stuff coming. <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um. Another thing that I thought was interesting is the fact that they were only aware that they were going to live for 500 years. Like it was, it was a discovery. I kind of thought that was like a known thing to everybody from early on in, in Curse. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, the and, Korean, you know. Yeah, had, yeah, but the rig drink from the fountain and yeah, how the knock-on effect that that had insofar that this 
curse and this fight and this war was going to go along on for a long time they couldn't just wait it out this was going to have a long sand impact and that obviously the knock-on effect of having Laura then have to lengthen her life uh, as a result yeah it's interesting to me that everybody's so surprised at the fact that they're going to be living for 500 years because Dakar and Varane are both similarly long-lived and they have uh, and apparently it's you know the mage training that they receive to keep their body intact and not you know disintegrate and grow old so given that Lyser and Arathon have at least that much you know mage powers it seems like I would think that it's sort of a default for someone who can do sorcery so yeah, I think maybe um, I'm just like repeating what you said, Chris, but I, yeah, it's interesting <laughs> that, yeah. that everybody's yes. so shocked all the time to hear that they're going to live for 500 years. Also, I am sure, like 95% sure, that um, when they were talking, do you remember when they were having a big argument with, um, oh God, the A wizard guy? Asandir? Yeah, that one. Not Arathon, Asandir. I'm sure they had a whole massive argument and they were like going back and forth about him having kids or something. And he was just like, I'm not going to have kids with anybody. And then he was like, well, you've got 500 years, so it might end up being that way. So I'm sure he knew about it. Or have I just, my 95% isn't that sure. No, I'm, sure there was, I'm sure there was a discussion. The yeah. Coriani and Moriel kind of, you know, lambasts herself and you know, her order was like, yeah, we should have realized this because where they came from, mm. you know, because they came via the fountain, but, you know, they had not. Mm. And, I, and oh, I think I almost kind of one of those little, uh, little tidbits to illuminate the, um, uh, they don't, they don't come out and say it, but the um, uh, shortcomings of the Koryani in comparison to the Seven, because you see the Seven are just you know, Sethvir and Asandir just casually, you know, uh, following the strain strands of you know cause and effect, and you know, Sethvir basically has localized you know omniscience, um, you know, of everything that's going on you know across the entire continent, and you know, whereas the Koryani are just kind of scraping by, trying to you know draw conclusions where. You know, the the seven clearly have this much larger and more widespread view of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. I love um, when, ooh, go go sorry. go. Oh, I was gonna say, I think Robin, you are right that the fellowship do know that they're going to live for five hundred years because I think when Arathon is ill at the very beginning, when Asandi is trying to heal him, he finds out that they're going to live five hundred years. Uh, my point was more about the fact that, you know, that the fact that they're long lived seems to be surprising to other people, which I so far seems like a default for everyone. Um, all the sorcerers that we've met so far. So. Like, you too? You're also going to live this long? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead. Now uh, you were saying something. I, I was basically just going to say I thought it was really funny when um, the uh, the um, 
scout or whatever came to his door to give him a message and he took the message and then just wrote down a bunch of other things that were also in her head that he hadn't been told just at the end of the message just for like whatever reason I thought that was there that was kind of interesting about how you could see like, obviously he's just got so much going on and coming in uh that was really again it was another kind of backfill of of his power and also what he does generally with his time because that really wasn't investigated very far in the first book and they go, yeah. you just get that little bit extra about about him and what he's doing all that time in that tower. Mm. Yeah. It's really interesting. I think there's a nice contrast, I want to call it, between how powerful the magic is that the fellowship can do, but how gently it is explained to us, like with the strands and everything. It's like a lot of like slow, magical work, but on a very powerful scale. So even at that level the fact that all this magic takes so long to cast it's it's really interesting i think yeah that i haven't really seen that kind of thing done before magic is usually short and very what's what i'm looking for i don't know but <laughs> hopefully flashy. Not what I mean. <laughs> flashy yes that's the word i wanted <laughs> yeah. and it's like they can do that but you know for them it's mostly like very very light touch Hmm. It's okay, Varsha. We know it's early for you. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> well, I gotta say, I had to exercise some extreme restraint not to keep reading past chapter four. Uh, I am, I am sitting here with. I I'm honestly can't wait for the next meeting because you know, we stopped at chapter four, and I'm like, oh. Because <laughs> I'll be continuing on. So good tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been it's things like... that people have said, and I'm like, no, I, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll get answers. It it feels like we've reached a bit of a tipping point, though. Like I feel like the fun is going to be over very soon, and things are going to get. <laughs> <laughs> you may be on. It depends on your definition of fun. Fun, yeah. <laughs> But I, I think it is interesting. Every time we come to a set of four chapters, it feels like one of like, like the perfect stopping point. A lot of the time, you know, these four yeah. chapter runs. Yeah. Maybe it's that each chapter is so complete in itself yeah. that any yeah. stopping anywhere would be a good stopping point. I think these chapters are so are quite unusual as to what I'm used to because they're quite chunky and they have subsections almost. So it's like a really it's not really a chapter as such is how I find it. It's like a section yeah. and then you move yeah. on to the next yeah. section. I think that's quite, it's completely different how I've read other books before. I'm, I'm enjoying it immensely, but it is, um, they're very total in their each bit. So I think I agree with you, Vash. I think whatever kind of section or chapter you finish on um, is almost a good place to, to bring it to a discussion. Yeah, that seems to be her style and what, yeah. what people um, need to get used to when they're reading her stuff and, it feeds into her style. It's, it's. Uh, I enjoy it a lot. I can't wait to get going tonight. You read something <laughs> like The Expanse, and The Expanse has a chapter every like five pages. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. it's almost for The Expanse. At least you know, you'd be like, oh, I can read a chapter four exactly. before bed right. because on this one, if you read a chapter before bed, you'd be up until well, Varsha now. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely have to plan around it. Yeah. Yeah. I also wanted to bring up the the first the cursed phrase from Lahain. I loved it. 
where he says midsummer solstice. That's <laughs> 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 like his swear phrase. I just thought that's so kind of you know, even in a Johnny style, that's so beautifully written and you know, it's got such evocative images for it to be kind of like a, a thing of frustration. <laughs> that is funny. I don't know why the series isn't more popular. Just even yeah. a book and a little bit through. I mean, I do. I, I think there's a section in the middle of the first book that the, my wife's exactly there right now. And she's like, I just don't know if I know what's happening. You know, and, uh, if you, unless you have somebody else beside you saying, you do. You know, you, you know way more than you think you do. It doesn't matter. Just keep on going. I mm -hmm. think there's that kind of feeling of, oh, I'm a bit lost. And I think once you get past that part, it's all gravy after that because this is this is good stuff, very good stuff. Yeah, no, Chris. When were we discussing this? But I'm sure we discussed it. Point, and I said the exact same thing. I was like, "You're reading it," and I kind of feel like I'm already going back and I'm reading the paragraph, and I'm like, mm -hmm. "I'm still not quite there yet." But you've just got to trust it. It's yeah. just like you've got to trust that in the next paragraph, you'll be like, "Ah." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It <laughs> comes it. back around. Okay. Hmm. And I think unless you have that prompt. You kind of feel like uh the book's too smart for you or something or, or something that's more going on that you don't understand it's going to be really important and i think that's partly because it all feels important and it's only when we get through to this point that uh and one of the things i took away from speaking to Jenny was it'll come back around again don't don't worry about it don't fascinate it on, on the fact that the lane situation you know that there are different lanes it's coming back again you know the, the magic that the, of the fellowship it's come back again you know you're going to get a bit more exploration a bit more depth that lot into it and then you go oh i understand this a little bit more and then you go uh yeah. Chibi, what did you feel like, okay because you said you read the second book first and i'm finding this easier to read so how mm. did you find going to the first book later on once you'd already know the characters and the writing style did you find it do you think you would have found it harder the other way around um I don't think I would have, um, but as I mentioned, I had read other, you know, um, I'd read Cycle of Fire and Master of White Storm and, you know, several others by her by that point. So that was part of why I, you know, saw it, you know, um, because it, the cover art and everything struck me as very similar to Master of White Storm. And then I saw the name and I was like, oh, I'm like, I know this. I want this because I enjoyed <laughs> it a lot. And, um, but I can see, you know, some of that is hindsight now, just giving it a more critical eye. I can see how people are um, put off by the first book uh, in some in some ways. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I can see why they would be. I, I don't understand, I don't entirely understand it, but, you know, because I'm like, I, I didn't ever, even starting the second book and then coming back, I never had, you know, problems. Um, with following it, but I was a um, extreme book nerd. So, you know, like, you know, Hobbit and Lord of the Rings very early. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, it's a skill to reading too, you know, you, yeah. the more you read, That's the more true. skill about reading you pick up. So yeah. if you've been a reader all your life, I don't think you would be, have any problem getting into this. Um, yeah. So yeah, to me, it was like, um, my, my, my family would used to joke that they, I basically, you know, taught myself to read and then got the books to just once I got a hold of books, I was yeah. um but the skill for life. Like for books that I can think of where I've tried to read the first in the series and I bounced off of it and didn't 
come back to it because I was like 15, 16. And if you've heard her talk about it, Jenny said that, you know, this is kind of intended for an adult audience, yeah. you know, as far as reading comprehension. So I was definitely not <laughs> the intended audience, but I never had a problem. I would say that when I was younger, though, I was much more, I felt more able to just go with the flow because I didn't expect to understand it all. Yeah. I think as you get older, you expect to understand what you're reading. So maybe that's making it kind of harder because I'm a young, when I was young, I used to read books and not understand half of it and just enjoy the reading process. Yeah. So I think maybe that's kind of, um, as you get older, you kind of want to, you kind of want to be fed all of that. And maybe this one's a little bit harder because you've got to work for it a little bit more. Although I said we've all enjoyed it, we've all loved it. It's really good, but I think you do have to, as we said, go with the flow and um, and then yeah, just try and slow down and go with it. Whereas in a lot of books, the Expanse actually is a good example. They they spoon feed you. <laughs> it's entirely different, so it's much easier to get into. I wonder if there's a thing where where somebody goes, they're reading this, going, this seems really good, this seems really dense, but nobody talks about the series. It must be crap. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it that's... Might be, it's like I've dropped into Reddit a couple of times with my reviews and trying to get people, yeah, in there. And it's like I get people viewing it, but no one really comments. And I'm like, mm. it's kind of disappointing. I'm like, mm. you know, other people who've already read it and they're like, this is great, and this you know, great. but other people every yeah. once in a while, you know, when you get someone who just rolls it, you know, swans in. You know, just basically like you, know, you know, and then they're like blah 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 blah. You know, <laughs> you know, or, you know, it starts you know trashing the pros or whatever, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> stop Why? picking my favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> but we live in a world where the most popular fantasy series are enormous, epic, like quite dense, like. Well, I mean, is Sanderson dense? You think? I think that's probably the most popular. Is that? Would you consider no, that? Dense? He's definitely not. But I'm thinking more Jordan. Sanderson's I'm easy thinking, to read. I'm thinking, yeah. you know, Erickson and you know, any of the yeah. really big, massive, long tomes that that sort of mirror this in sort of length, if nothing else. Um, sort of. Most popular is probably Martin, but it, yeah, oh yeah, that's true. But he's not finished either, so maybe he oh, goes yeah. there. <laughs> Because I, I think certain certain places like Reddit or you know certain certain areas have like their favorite books that yeah. they're like certain series get a lot of attention and like constantly even after you read them they get lots of attention. Um, I think with Malaz and just because I think it's it's a good series to compare to this one I think because you don't know what's happening like you have to just go with it like Robin said you have to just like that was a good point too like I think we get into a certain rhythm and we want to know certain things before we keep going, but just letting go. And I think people encouraging other people to read Malaz and say, you, you're not going to get it. Just keep going. Yeah. I think this series needs people like that just to say, look, you may not understand. It'll pay off. Just keep reading. So, you know, maybe things like this will help, but it's possible. It's, I mean, Malazan to me also kind of shows its origins in having been a role-playing campaign, because mm. um, you have these moments. So you have these these you know some of these characters quite obviously show their, you know, this was someone's player character, you know, or started out as someone's player character. And I don't want to disparage his work because I, I've read most of them, um, and I, I didn't, you know, I didn't dislike it, but 
you know, I just, there, there's certain things there you can definitely see. <laughs> and it's just sort of like you, you get them like, you know, uh, it's one kind of just veering off here for a second, but it's like it's one chapter, you know, when I found out about the RPG thing and, you know, and then I think of a scene with uh, Quick Ben, I think it is, is the character. Yeah. And he meets uh, Bashalain and Corval Brooch. Mm-hmm. And he has this fight with them. And when I found out at the RPG thing, I'm like, oh, I can totally see the, you know, this, all the, the hallmarks of this having been an RPG campaign all over the, the entire scene. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was a cool scene, but I'm like, this, yeah. So it has a, I don't know, lots of, lots of moments of here's a really cool thing that's happening. Um, and I don't know, people like that. Uh, I agree. I don't think Sanderson is very dense, though. Um, no. I, I think Sanderson needs an editor, you know, at least as far as Stormlight goes, but you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> he, he's not trying to write these books, though. He's uh, That's not no, his intent. Yeah. It is not to write anything yeah. as deliberate as this. Yeah. Um, I mean, and with Malice and those those scenes, that scene you're talking about are pretty few and far between. It's just them having fun. It, it, it doesn't, you know, the rest yeah. of the series is there's a lot more to it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I agree with with, with Wurtz. Um, you know, I I just think uh, that's that's one of the things that I wish more people would uh, go on about is is the same that same kind of fervor and saying, hey, just stick with it. You're gonna get it, and it's gonna be rewarding when you're done. Yeah. That's the thing. It's gonna be rewarding. It's gonna give you uh, it's gonna give you that sense of uh, uh, that aesthetic reaction that you're looking for. You know. I think going into this one, not having someone to to like to help you along like things going into this book blind and going into Malazan, I think this is a lot less confusing than Malazan is. A lot less confusing. Yeah, it doesn't throw fantasy term like it uses new world terminology very sparingly, I think. And when it does it's pretty clear from the context what it is. So I don't know of any reason to not really follow along very well, at least in the beginning except for like maybe a harder vocabulary than we might be used to but it's not it's not confusing in the way other fantasy books are might be where it's just a lot of words that you don't understand like that's one of the reasons like people tend to find malazan confusing in the beginning is just a lot of words that you don't understand like what is what does a warren mean what is that and i didn't feel like that reading these books so they're not even very difficult to follow world building wise. So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's more of a style that people need to get used to, and I think once you do, it's it's uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, style. Uh, what's the? Um, it's not instant gratification. No. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's true. But, but it doesn't have a long run. Like for, I'd say, by 14, 15 chapters in. And you get to the end of the first book, you're like, right, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in this. Like, I, I can read this quite easily. I can, you know, can, you know, there's. this is really yeah. <laughs> 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 That's, That's only like 80 pages in the expanse. <laughs> yeah, we have a pretty good sense of things. Like, you know, just using the Malazan comparison, as I read through them, I'm like, often I was like, who, what, what is this? Where am I? What is even happening? I was like, 
am I in the past, present? <laughs> I don't understand. You know, I'm on a whole other continent. Who are these people? I was just reading about these other guys, the last book, and now I'm somewhere yeah. else entirely. And I did you know, half the time I was like, I don't understand how any of this ties together because it just seems like there was just more and more stuff being thrown at me. And yeah. Yeah, Wirtz isn't doing that. She's telling you a, a story. And, and yeah, it, it's very tightly focused. It's very tightly focused. Yeah, and uh, you know, Matt, Mal is, and that's by design, partially. You know, so it's it's yeah. it's a it's a different experience. Yeah, Varsh is going to have a, a lot of work on her hands when we start here in July. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of questions for Varsha. I don't know if you I don't know if you're up for it, Varsha. It's going to be a lot. <laughs> so so I uh, I'm going to see how much I understand on my second read through. Um, hopefully a lot more than the first, but also I can freely Google things when I finish the series. So <laughs> That's true, yeah, that's true. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Uh, for those who don't know, we're just to pitch it really quick, uh, Varsha will be our guide. So on her channel, we're going to restart Malaz in here in July or so, and we're going to be meeting, we're not sure how often, but a very relaxed reading pace to read Malaz in, so. Anyone, anyone who's interested, we're, uh, it's going to be an undertaking, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite series so far of all the ones I've read. So I'm really excited to be able to talk about it the way we're doing this one. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's good. Yeah. So uh, anything else from these first four that you guys can think of? I'll talk to it. Yeah, I think so. Our jar just needs the stream to end so they can go straight and uh, pick up chapter five. Up. <laughs> all, all talked out, need more to read now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we sign off, uh, Chibi Poe, can you tell us where people can find you if they want to get in touch? Of course. Um, I can be found on Twitter at ChibiPoe1 because someone had already had the without a one, and I'm not going to try to navigate it to see if I can get the one. You know, without a one, because yeah, Twitter is Twitter is Twitter right now. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, everybody knows. Uh, I'm also on Goodreads, um, and I'm going to plug just very briefly here for everybody. Um, though, if you haven't read all the way through, you might not want to watch, um, but or listen. Um, but under the radar, Blaze is going to have a podcast very soon. I don't I absolutely don't know any dates for this, um, but there's probably going to be some pretty big announcements there. So, hmm. you know, stay tuned very nice. soon. Nice. Very, very soon. Um, uh, yeah. That's all for me. Yes. Chris? Uh, you can find me on my YouTube channel, which is just up my name, Chris Moon. You can find me on the Patreon forums, uh, or you can find me on Twitter at 7 o'clock shadow lurking, posting replies, liking people's posts, that kind of thing. Uh, Jared, uh, you can find me on my channel, The Fantasy Thinker, and um, I'm on Instagram uh, at The Fantasy Thinker as well, and uh, I'm also on the Page Chewing uh, forums. Yes, and Robin, don't plug Pop Tarts. <sighs> you don't find me at Pop Tarts. You might find me eating Pop Tarts. <laughs> in Pop Tarts. <laughs> in, in <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can find me at Bookend and Biscuits, my YouTube channel, or um, Bookend Biscuit, just singular, on Twitter, uh, when I'm relatively active. I am on Instagram, but I think we've discussed before, don't really go on there a lot, um, or on page chewing forums, which are awesome. So, yeah. 
And Varsha with the best outro ever. <laughs> uh, you can find me on my YouTube channel, Raiding by the Rainy Mountain, and more direct ways to reach me on the About page. <laughs> Uh, just one of our friend Layla couldn't make it today on stream. Layla Gao, she just wanted to plug her YouTube channel uh, at yes. Balladie Magazine. Be sure and go uh, go by and subscribe, and also Balladie Magazine on Twitter or Layla Gaoshi on Twitter as well. Be sure and check that check it out. Lots of great stuff over there. So hopefully Layla can join the next one. So until uh, in two weeks, we'll be discussing five through nine. Yep. yep. <laughs> and, uh, Five, Math is hard. Is it eight, <laughs> eight or nine? Eight, five. I think it's eight, five, eight. Six, seven, eight. eight yeah. Five through eight. Okay. <laughs> five through eight. Sorry. Jeez. So anyway. You should do more streams in a day, Steve. This, this, okay, this no. doesn't seem like enough. No, I really shouldn't. Yeah. That, uh, that, ba that, that baker stream was something. So oh, yeah, that, was, that was a fun one. But so anyway. Uh, Good thumbnail for your your channel update that you posted earlier, where you're holding the hardback of you know ships, and you just got this little smug look on your face. You're like, yeah, I have a hardcover. Yeah, I have to, I have to, you know, I have to, I got to show it off when I can. Got flex. Yeah, got flex when I can. Yeah. So thanks again, everyone, and we will see everyone here in two weeks for the next four chapters, and looking forward to it. So we'll see everyone then. See you then. Thanks. Bye.